Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, traders, wherever you may be on planet Earth. Thank you for tuning in to the 79th episode of the Performante Podcast. Haven't done one of these in a while, so we just wanted to do a bit of a market summary, market review, and cover some of the trending topics within the cryptocurrency space. We have seen a great rebound from the lows for the bulls. Market structure is shifting. We're seeing both higher highs and higher lows. And ultimately, there is a lot of momentum with the current cryptocurrency market. I think the fears of the bear market are a bit behind us as we climb back towards $50,000 per Bitcoin. We're currently sitting at $44,000 per Bitcoin. We've got diverse stories from every corner of the cryptoverse coming at you. My name is Nathan. As always, Keith will be co-hosting. And uh, first story, just to jump right in, the U.S. government now holds $4 billion in Bitcoin. And this is approximately double what Tesla has for reference. And so this stack grew recently in light of, a, in light of a, I guess you could say, a seizure that happened. The U.S. government claimed around $3.6 billion from the Bitfinex hack, which we will talk about next. But it is interesting to know just how much the U.S. government holds proportional to other entities. So, for example, if we're looking at some of the biggest holders of Bitcoin in order, we have Square, marathon both publicly traded companies we have the 3iq bitcoin fund the purpose bitcoin etf tesla so all of those would be tradable equity products next up the country of ukraine i guess they've been dollar cost averaging into their bag ukraine has 2 billion u.s government has just over 4 billion microstrategy sailor moon the legend himself his stack is around 5.4 billion and last but not least, the massive conglomerate Grayscale has a sizable bag at around $28 billion. So we can see with this recent seizure of Bitcoin, the U.S. government have entered the, the whale territory. And uh, just in terms of how they got these Bitcoin holdings, I will pass it on over to Keith. Yeah, jumping right into it, Lydia Lichtenstein, believes how you say it. She's 34 years old, and she was the individual that the Justice Department announced uh, that actually seized, or that actually stole the $3.6 billion that they recently seized. And the amount of Bitcoin that were stolen from Bitfinex was almost 120,000. It was 119,754. And the hacker, which they say is Lydia, uh, basically extracted those funds in more than 2,000 unauthorized transactions. And the prosecutors alleged that the stolen Bitcoin was eventually uh, basically ended up in Liechtenstein's digital wallet. And the way that actually um, came around for the Justice Department to find it is through the blockchain. You're able to see the transactions one after another, and they were able to find where the digital wallet was and then the seed phrase was actually stored in the cloud. So then as the Justice Department went to that cloud uh, entity and obviously requested for that seed phrase, and that seed phrase was able to open the wallet that had all the stolen funds. So pretty unbelievable. Uh, if Lydia and uh, Heather was the ones to actually stole the $3.6 billion worth of BTC as of right now, um, I can't imagine them being stupid enough to keep the seed phrase the most important thing that you can have in crypto on a cloud. Does not make sense to me. But um, as of right now, that is how this story is developing. Uh, me and Nathan were kind of talking about this potentially being some sort of setup because it's just like 
too easy for them to be like, oh, this is exactly where it is. And it's such a large amount of BTC that it kind of seems like it's uh, almost too easy. But as the story develops, we will keep everyone informed. As of right now, uh, Lydia Lichtenstein, a 34-year-old, 30, uh, and his wife Heather Morgan are the two individuals that have been accused of st stealing the $3.6 billion, which is a substantial amount of money. Yeah, I guess innocent until proven guilty, but these two definitely don't seem like the most competent individuals if they are storing their private keys to so much Bitcoin on a cloud software. Ultimately, I think that there is some other things going on, whether they're a scapegoat, whether they bought the Bitcoin. Uh, it's really unclear. Even if you just Google uh, Heather Morgan on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, you can see that she's a bit of a rapper. She posts TikTok videos. Super unclear. I guess you, the word cringe could be used to describe the couple. And uh, this is a very evolving news story, and it seems like the truth has not fully emerged yet. And so uh, keeping with the multinational Bitcoin adoption, I guess you could say, uh, Russia is set to launch a new political bill that will call Bitcoin and crypto a currency analog. That's very different than how it is currently recognized as a digital asset. Uh, and this basically changes its regulations for their current uh, crypto regulation. And it's interesting to see this move because there's been loads of speculation, loads of uh, people predicting that Russia is going to get into Bitcoin mining with their with their energy excess, I guess you could say, because they are one of the world's largest exporters of oil, and that by getting into the Bitcoin game mining, it allows them to circumvent U.S. trade sanctions. And ultimately, this change into a currency analog, it will um, kind of put them on the map in terms of Bitcoin adoption. It's a very big move. Uh, and ultimately, seeing this integration with such a large country like Russia really paints a picture of Bitcoin as the potential next global reserve currency. We've seen the current momentum that we've had with the U.S. trending down in terms of its global reserve currency status. It's proliferating itself to death. And uh, I think we are seeing the net weakness of the U.S. as a nation, and that's really creating an opportunity for uh, a next global reserve currency, whether it be the Chinese digital yuan or their renminbi enter the market. As we know, China currently has the uptrend for both economic and political strength. Perhaps Bitcoin could come into the spotlight with countries like uh, El Salvador, Iran, Turkey, all taking it very seriously, and now Russia. This is a very interesting trend that we're seeing where Bitcoin has gone from users to communities to nations. And uh, ultimately, we are following the hyper-Bitcoinization chart as more and more people get on board. This is just another uh, another component to Bitcoin's confluence as a global reserve currency, in my opinion. Yeah, the amount of money that's going to be flowing in if BTC does take that spot as the world reserve currency, um, unimaginable amounts of money will be flowing in. So that uh, is still on the table. Um, definitely uh, pretty interesting to see how that book, uh, how that works out. Ray Dalio talks a lot about like the different uh, major world reserve currencies and definitely um, would be worth checking out if you would like a little bit more of some economic history on the previous world reserve currencies that have really gone in waves. And I think BTC is starting up its next wave now. So kind of keeping with uh, the adoption news stories, we have McDonald's filing for trademarks in the metaverse 
for their restaurants and NFTs, which is very, very cool. And they've applied for 10 different trademarks in the virtual space. And the trademark attorney, uh, the company is named Gerben Intellectual Property by Josh Gerben. Uh, he said that a virtual restaurant featuring actual virtual goods and operating a virtual restaurant featuring home delivery were some of the things that were within the trademarks that they um, sent in, which is absolutely unbelievable. So that you're basically able to go to their virtual restaurant, but then in terms of like home delivery, you get to actually be in the metaverse and then I guess order your food delivered to your actual physical house. I think that's kind of what their goal is from the trade 10 trademarks, which is a pretty interesting idea. And they also said that, um, or I guess Gerben also said that, I think they're going to see every single brand that you can think of making these filings within the next 12 months. And I definitely agree. McDonald's is a major, major player in the food industry or uh, food and beverage, I guess, industry. And if they're doing it, you know that basically every single other company and restaurant is at least thinking about it, if not taking steps to basically not get left behind. They, they said that no one wants to be the next blockbuster. Totally makes sense. I think it's a very valid and um, I, th I think underused statement because you do see things like blockbuster. And when Netflix came, blockbuster didn't really adapt. They didn't change. They didn't really adapt to the new technology that the world is evolving to. And if companies like McDonald's isn't going to take that next step, they are going to get left behind. And McDonald's definitely, I haven't really seen a restaurant take that big of a leap. I saw H&M that was actually like not a real uh, news story that came out, but McDonald's is the first one that's like a restaurant that is developing in the metaverse that I've seen so far. So it's kind of interesting to see one of the largest or if not the largest fast food chain kind of start that step because usually it's the smaller change that have a little bit less to lose take that first step but you see mcdonald's just go right in taking that first plunge into the world of the metaverse and nfts yeah it's kind of becoming the new age space race of which of these companies are going to come on board with this technology first because as soon as they all start hopping on it puts pressure on the others and so a nice transition to our next story sticking with the corporate vibe obviously facebook slash meta uh, they did uh, miss their earnings. They only missed their earnings by around $100 million, which isn't that significant. But what really caused the, the bears to come in and the sell pressure to enter the market was that for the first time since inception, net user growth was actually negative. And so I think that was really a fundamental factor for why the stock went down. And I think it fell around 26% following the earnings call. Uh, it has rebounded since, but um, I think that caused a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt flood towards the entire Metaverse ecosystem as a whole, because I think by changing their name to Meta, they're really doubling, tripling, and quadrupling down on the idea of our digital existence. And uh, I mean, even I saw people on my own personal life like starting to freak out, like, oh, is the Metaverse over? No, we're just at the beginning of this invasive industry. Obviously, the trend of digitalization is just beginning. And just because Apple or just because Meta's stock fell because they missed their earnings does not change any of the fundamentals in play as we shift towards a more digital existence. Yeah, this virtual environment is like just at the beginning. And ultimately, just because a stock fell doesn't change any of the fundamentals in play. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the price has changed, but the value hasn't. And so that could be a good pickup if you are looking to get into some tech stocks. 
And so uh, for our next topic here, we're talking about Crypto.com, CRO. The marketing gods have uh, officially partnered with Formula One for the Miami Grand Prix. Another massive partnership. I guess you could really just add it to the list, whether it's the UFC, whether it be PSG. They are going to be running some Super Bowl ads. The LeBron James Foundation, Staples Center, getting out of breath just trying to list all of their marketing deals, man. It is absolutely insane what this company is doing just because they are bringing crypto to the mainstream. And the first, uh, the first partnership will be at the Miami International Autodrome. And this campaign starts off the weekend of May 6th to 8th. This is quite a long-term deal. I believe it's for 10 years. Uh, and we are seeing Crypto.com really go balls to the wall with their marketing attempts. And so it's interesting just to see all the different niches that they're spreading their marketing capital to try and bring more users into the Web3 space. Yeah, definitely well said. And the fact that they're able to get the nine or 10 year deal definitely adds a lot of longevity because it's not like a quick hype of like interest and people are attracted and you're getting a lot of attention and then it dies immediately after. If you have a 10 or nine year deal, that is a long-term advertisement play. We're gonna get consistent exposure to both people who know the business, crypto.com, but then also people who are younger who might be starting to enter the F1 or UFC space. You get that double exposure and there have been studies that said people that are interested in sports whether that be like UFC or football or F1, uh, are more likely to be involved in crypto. So they are looking like they are targeting the right demographic and a lot of big things for crypto.com. We do talk about it quite frequently in our Discord and for good reason. Staying on the corporate side of things, KPMG, one of the big four accounting firms, recently added crypto to their corporate treasury, which is huge. And it's actually both Bitcoin and Ether. Um, in this particular uh, article that I'm reading here, I could not find the exact BTC or Ethereum or dollar amounts, um, but it is still a massive shift because as an accounting firm, um, obviously they are one of the big four, meaning that they are very well respected, very well regarded. And I'm sure they have been thinking about this for a while. They're not gonna just take quick action to make this big of a shift, especially publicly. So they all they kind of said was that, okay, KPMG in Canada has completed an allocation of crypto assets to its corporate treasury, the firm's first direct investment in crypto assets. So you are seeing corporate treasuries starting to get allocated into crypto. Specifically, it's probably just going to be Bitcoin and a little bit of Ethereum or like maybe just Bitcoin and Ethereum. But I don't think these large firms will be looking at like, let's say like a smaller market cap L1 like AVAX. I just don't think we'd have that liquidity there yet but it will come. But as of right now, even if it's just in BTC and Ethereum, most <clears throat> most alts are gonna positively correlate with Bitcoin and Ethereum is gonna be positively correlated with Bitcoin as well. So just seeing that adoption in Bitcoin will help out the rest of the market. So that's definitely an extremely positive thing that corporate treasuries are seeing Bitcoin and Ethereum added to them and kind of <laughs> hoping that uh, in terms of like the understanding of it, KPMG are accountants, so you'd hope that you know they have done to do they have done their due diligence as well. So pretty interesting to see, and this is just one more domino falling in the many more that will come, in our opinion, for 2022. 
Yeah, exactly. Well said. Just to build off of that idea, I think given that KPMG is part of the critically acclaimed Big Four, that means they are servicing some of the largest publicly traded companies in Canada, US, and the rest of the world. That status is something that cannot be understated because if we assume the Big Four has a 25% market share, that now means that 25% of almost all publicly traded companies their accountants own Bitcoin. And obviously, we recognize accountants as some of the most boring people on planet Earth. And so if that means accountants can get into crypto, so can you. And so uh, <laughs> next topic here about from, coming from the Wharton School of Business. This is an Ivy League university in Pennsylvania, considered one of the premier business schools in the States. Uh, I guess to start off a preamble, they did receive around $5 million in Bitcoin, 118 BTC from an anonymous donation. And uh, with this in mind, 118 BTC donation, it seems like they immediately cashed out all 5 million and they have shifted into a more cryptocurrency friendly narrative. They uh, partnered with uh, the World Economic Forum to deliver the blockchain and digital asset project. Essentially, this is... Uh, the economics of blockchain and digital assets. It's a six-week program that cost $3,800 at the Wharton School of Business. And now, using Coinbase Commerce, you can accept or you can pay for tuition for this course in Bitcoin. It's important to note that you cannot pay for general tuition. Like if you wanted to take like English class, for example, with Bitcoin, you can only do it for this economics of blockchain and digital assets class. But that's still pretty neat to see a critically acclaimed Ivy League business school accepting Bitcoin for tuition. And again, just sticking with like all these institutional adoptions that we've been having, I think this trend is going to continue for 2022 as we uh, really head into the year of hyper-Bitcoinization. And so uh, I guess a bit of a warning here to finish off the episode. Obviously, if you haven't heard, Melania, Melania, Melania Trump uh, did release some Solana NFTs, uh, which I think really caught the ecosystem off guard. Nobody was expecting her to drop an NFT collection. And she recently wash sold one of her NFTs for $170,000. This was probably done in a marketing attempt, being like, so Melania Trump NFT sells for $170,000 just to try and bring new users in, just so she can rug pull them, probably. And I believe this was 1,800 Solana, is how much this uh, NFT was wash sold for. And I guess that's really just a word of warning, is anytime you're seeing these NFT projects hyped up on TikTok, on t Twitter, on Instagram, there is so much undisclosed, undisclosed advertisement happening in the space that you really have to do your due diligence and look past the headlines and look into the projects themselves and really try and vet what is worth your money and time and what is not worth your time or money. Because if Melania Trump is wash sailing her own Solana NFTs for 170000 you can only imagine how much grimy activity is happening behind the scenes of this industry. Yeah, extremely good way to put it. Um... And also, don't think that just because you're on Ethereum, for example, people don't do it um, in, in terms of like the transaction fees, because people who would be watch trading with lower funds would probably be going to a NFT marketplace on another uh, on another chain. But uh, it can happen anywhere. It does happen on OPC a lot. We have stories time and time again of what's happening. 
So definitely, please be careful out there and do your due diligence. So that is uh, the end of the 79th episode for the Performante podcast. And I'll uh, hand over the ending to my girlfriend, Nathan. I appreciate the time you've taken taken to tune in. We had some good stories this episode. Again, just to reiterate, we are seeing the momentum from the bulls in the cryptosphere that we've been looking for. We never said this Bitcoin bull market was over. We saw the bounce from around 30K to sustain the higher low. And now the rest of the market is benefiting from the sympathy. Tomorrow is going to be a big day. We have both uh, CPI and unemployment data being released. It'll be interesting to see how both stocks and crypto, the risk on assets we love, react uh, because we live at such a pivotal time for modern economics and finance. And so, again, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate the time you've taken. Stay safe. Take care, everyone.